Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the people, God, that you've gathered here under the sound of my voice. But God, I know it's my voice, and that's the problem. So God, I ask that they would hear your voice. Lord, I pray that I wouldn't speak as a man, but God, that I'd speak as a man that God speaks through. Father, I'm nothing but a vessel. Here I am in your hands. Use me. Use me, God, as a vessel that's willing to stand before your people that they can hear what thus saith the Lord. Father, I pray this morning to every heart, God, that's hesitant. God, that they hear your word this morning. God, to every heart and mind that's facing something fearful, that, God, they would encounter your faithfulness. God, I pray this morning over the lives that feel broken, that in the midst of their brokenness, they would find beauty and purpose. Because, God, you're able. You're able, Lord. I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, amen, amen and amen and amen. Y'all, let's rip the Band-Aid right off this thing, right off the rip. How about that? So, when I was in corrections, and as many of you, you probably assume I was on the other side of the bar. I actually worked in law enforcement and corrections. God put me into prison so that I could see what he spared me from. Uh, I worked in the Department of Corrections for roughly about seven years while working construction, and I only worked 12 days a month, so the ability to do that afforded me the opportunity to run a construction business outside of, of doing that with all the perks of state benefits. But I'll never forget in those seven years of working there, there was one thing in the midst of uh, the training, law enforcement training that happened in Columbia, and it was called Hell Week. And Hell Week was the most rigorous most in-depth training. The hell week is when you got sprayed in the face with mace. You had to jump over walls. You had to crawl through mud. You had all kinds of stuff. You had to fight out of handcuffs. You had to do, it was hell week, the whole week. There was people that passed out in hell week because of how far you had to run. They didn't make it. There was people that, that just gave up. They packed their bags and went home. Uh, and, and, you know, this is what I know. Hell week was the most rigorous week of training, but it also separated the men from the boys. It also made you realize that rigorous training produces tough people. And while I say all that, I want to say this. This is, this is the, 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 the elephant that I feel like I need to address with Dominion Church. It feels like lately has been a whole lot of hell weeks around here. I mean, it's like if you're a part of the Dominion family right now, you're getting punched in the gut somewhere, somehow, some way. Welcome to church. They're like, oh, I'll go down the road. But I'm serious. But the reality of it is, is because this ministry is so much more than church. We are literally launching a revival into a region. And we got to understand the devil cannot stand this place. But here's what you got to understand. He ain't mad at the agreeable wall paint. He's mad at the people that are sitting in these chairs. He's not concerned about what's on this room. He's concerned about what's in this room. And because of that constant attack, because of that, it's, you know, a ministry that's rising up and we, we say, we, we launch an uproar where, where we see, man, 20-some people baptized in the parking lot of Dominion Church. Great place to give God praise right there. 
But the reality of it is, is it's like the warfare has been so intense. And so with that being said, I want to launch a series because I feel like now is my job to make sure that I am training warriors and realizing that you're not just church attenders, you are warriors and there's a person to save, there's a kingdom to advance, and there is a war to be won. There is a person to save, there is a kingdom to advance, and there is a war to be won. You know, all of us, we, you know, we'll give our best hoorah in a moment of, yeah, I'm a warrior. But the reality of it is, is things often happen differently when the enemy shows up. Yesterday, I took my kids to Eudora Farms in Sally, South Carolina. Incredible time. Two hours away, we traveled. Me and just my babies, we spent time there on that farm with zebras and camels and all kinds of cool stuff. Just spent the day just having a great time. But the truth of it is, is it was all great until the camel sticks its head in the window. Show them the picture real quick. And see... It was a whole lot of fun until what wasn't invited invited himself in. And the reality of it is, is many of us, when we talk about being a warrior, we get excited about it until the enemy puts his head in the window like the camel. And then a lot of us look like Harper. A lot of us look like Harper. Daddy, get the... And the crazy thing is, is it wasn't just the camel that stuck his head in. It was the ostrich that came from the other side and attacked Adley, who was sitting center council. And it was pandemonium. Carrots were flying everywhere. Feed was flying. I was trying to mash the gas while an ostrich is pecking me in the face. It was crazy. It was really great until the enemy stuck his head in the window. I came to preach to some people this morning that you're excited to be a warrior until the enemy shows up and then you have to deal with the spirit of the coward and find out there's a coward that has to be killed. I want to talk to you this morning about killing the coward. If you're going to be a warrior, you've got to learn to kill the coward. It's many times that on this platform people look at me and they say things like, you're so fearless. You're so confident. You're so unwavering. There's a person on my senior leadership team that tells me all the time, PK, I've seen you white knuckle it through the years. I've just seen you take hit after hit and just hold on. That's great. I'm glad that you see that. Because the reality of it is, is while many of you see things like that, what you don't see is the coward that I have to constantly kill. There's not a single day that goes by that I don't wrestle with the idea of being inadequate, to being weak, to being unsure, and there's many times that I'm absolutely afraid. Afraid of what? I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid that 225 people that call Dominion Church their church, I'm afraid. There's not a day that goes by that I don't walk in fear. What if today's the day that I mess up? 
And see, the reality of it is, though, is for me to move forward, I have to kill the coward. Because the coward says, stay home. The coward says, stay safe. The coward says, find a safe place. But the warrior in me says, there is more. The warrior in me says, get up. There is a company of people that aren't just telling you to go. They're saying, we will go with you. See, Dominion... Church is a ministry that's kingdom mandated. It's one of the pillars of our church. What does that mean? It means that we simply believe it's more than just church. It's literally a cry. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here and now. Even our name, Dominion Church, declares authority. It declares presence. It declares a band of warriors. Trust me. There's been many mornings that I wish I pastored Sweet Gum Church. Or I could have been the lead pastor and founded and planted First Church of the Harp. Oh, how sweet that sounds. But instead, God raises up and says, no, we're going to plant a church called Dominion, which literally means authority, which means governing authority, which means that there is power, that there is dominion. God's nature himself is described as all power, all glory, all honor, and dominion. I can tell you something. Wherever there's power, honor, glory, and dominion, there's an enemy that hates it. There is an enemy that absolutely hates the mandate is. The good news is, though, is that I look at my Bible and I find hesitant warriors. I'm thankful that the Bible did not just find all the perfect people with all the perfect things, all the perfect way, with all the perfect marriages, with all the perfect children, with all the perfect work, and put them in a book and say, here, be perfect. Instead, I read a Bible that tells me about brothers that got so mad they killed each other. Kind of how the whole book starts off. And then later I find men that are so just perturbed with life, they get slapped, hammered, drunk, lay up in a tent somewhere. I find a man that looks at a woman with lust and commits adultery, but he's not just a man, he's king. And he doesn't lose his kingship. He remains king even in the midst of the pain. I find men that were murderers of Christians that go on and write 90% of the New Testament. I find men that though they knew Jesus, they still had a little anger side to him. One time so bad, he took his sword off and cut the ear off of somebody right in front of Jesus. So it's often that I go to this book and I glean from this book to find hope, not just for you, but for me to say, hey, Kyle, you may not be perfect. You may not have it all together. You may be hesitant. You may want to point out your weaknesses, but let me show you what an incredible God will do with people that understand while I am weak, he is strong. There's a hesitant warrior in the, budget, in the book of Judges, chapter 6, he goes by the name of Gideon. And it's here that the Israelites have lived for seven years, paralyzed from fear. Will y'all turn the scripture off? They're all reading it before I get there. Thank you. For seven years, they've been paralyzed by fear. For seven years, the Midianites have have taken and have bombarded Israel. They have burned their houses. They have burned their fields. They have killed their cattle. They have come in and ransacked their homes, even destroying their families. 
Midians left the Israelites in a poverty mindset. The Midians had come in and had had the Israelites literally hiding in caves because they were so scared to come out. Oh my, if that's not a picture for maybe some of you today, that the enemy has ramsacked your life. He's hit your family. He's hit your work. He's hit your home. He's burned your fields. He's taken you captive in your mind, and now spiritually you're hiding in a cave. The problem is, is you're not just hiding in a cave, you're coward in a cave. And the coward has to die. But here's how coward dies, how cowards die. God will always raise up a Gideon. I said, God will always raise up a Gideon. See, he was known for being righteous and he was known for being God-fearing. His family was one of the only families that did not turn to the idol bow of his days. But catch this, his own brother was brutally murdered at the hand of the Midianites. Can I tell you something? Often God will raise up a warrior out of a family that the enemy has touched. How do you know that maybe you're being called to a warrior? How do you know that maybe you're called to be a warrior in the army of God? I'll tell you how. It's not that you haven't been touched. It's that you've been touched everywhere. You've been touched in your finances. You've been touched in your family. You've been touched in your marriage. You've been touched in your home. You've been touched in your kids. You've been touched everywhere you go. It seems like I've been touched in the ministry. But every single touch is God's appointed touch to rise up the warrior inside of you and say, I will not be moved. See, because the reality of it is, is God will often use the touch of the enemy to identify your purpose and calling. How come the most rejected, messed up, tore up from the floor up dude is leading this church? I'll tell you why. Because the enemy touched me. And when the enemy touched me, God took his touch and turned it into assignment and knew that I would turn around and then launch an attack against every devil in hell because of the way that the enemy touched me. But God's touch superseded the enemy's touch. Judges 6. We can go there now. Incredible media team. Verse 11. And then the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Josiah the Abazite, where the son of Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Verse 12. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I want to break this down and have some elementary talk with people that are facing battles this morning. The first thing you need to understand is God sees way more in you than you see in yourself. I know that may sound elementary, but hold on, I'm going to show you because a lot of you just missed it even in the scripture. God comes to Gideon in a moment when he's being a coward. Well, how can you say that, PK? I'll tell you why. The joker is threshing wheat in a wine press. Hold on. Wine press are for grapes, not wheat. He's literally so scared he has wheat and he's down in a in a, in a belly of a bull under the ground in a wine press. He's down there threshing wheat. Why? Because it says that to keep it from the Midianites, he was hiding. He was being a coward. 
He was in a cave because his family had been touched, because his home had been touched, because his fields had been burned, because everything that he once had, the enemy put his hand on it. And now here is a coward in a wine press threshing wheat. And God comes to him. The angel of the Lord comes to him, and guess what he says? He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Sometimes God will find you in your season where you feel like you are coward, where you're incapable, when you're weak, when you don't have the strength. It's oftentimes where you feel like you are your least, that God is up to his most. It's oftentimes when you're ready to give up that God is about to come in. If you'll just listen to me this morning, it doesn't matter where you've been and what you've been through because God's not looking at where you are. God did not speak to where Gideon was. He spoke to where Gideon was going. He said, you may be a coward right now, but I'm not going to call you that. I'm going to call you a mighty warrior. Why? Because God knows our end from the beginning. What an incredible understanding that regardless of where you are, what you've done and what you've been through, God has already been to your end. And now the Bible says in Romans 8 and 28, he's working all things together for your good. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. There are plans of good and plans of, uh, of hope and he plans for a future to bring about an expected end. Why the end? Because he's already been there. truth of it is, is often God calls us a mighty warrior in a season that we're a mighty warrior. Are you worried this morning? What are you worried about? Because there's a good chance that your worry is the development of a warrior. I want to give you three truths for every warrior who has a coward to kill. The first is, the first fight you must fight is the fight of the fear of failing. You got to fight the fear of failing if you're ever going to get up and do what God is going to ask you to do. Let me go ahead and tell you right now, you will fail. Oh, there you go. That eliminates that. You absolutely positively will fail. You absolutely positively will stumble. You absolutely positively will feel like there are days that the enemy has your neck under his foot. But I want to give you another truth. You will absolutely fail, but God is absolutely faithful. And the, listen to me. The righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. The difference between quitting and being a coward and being triumphant and being a warrior is the difference in your ability to get back up true warriors get back up ask any warrior any true warrior that's been in battle and they will tell you they enter every battle both confident and afraid verse 14 judges 6 and 14 says then the lord turned to him and said go with the strength you have and rescue israel from the midianites i am sending you but the, Lord, but the Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. You ever had a butt, Lord? Yeah. 
Hey, witness to your friend. But Lord, they know me. They've seen me. They've been around when I told them my dirty jokes. I can't witness to them, Lord. Hey, tell that coworker that I'm there for him. I can't. But Lord, this is work. We're not supposed to talk about Jesus. But Lord. Lead your family spiritually. But Lord. But Lord. Tithe. But Lord. Serve. But Lord. Every warrior must fight their inner fear of failing. Your but Lord is nothing but an opportunity for him to truly be Lord. His Lordship is proof that he's in control. All he's requiring of you is obedience. Hear me, because the next time that God pricks your heart to do something, do not allow fear. Do not allow the coward to rise up in you. Kill the coward by the sword of faith and believe that if God said do it, that God will see you through it. The second truth I want to give you is understanding that in Christ, you have everything you need, not just to fight, but to win. In Christ. Judges 6 and 14, the Lord turned to Gideon and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Here's the thing that you got to understand. Anything God's called you to, you got to first remember he called you to it. Am I not sending you? Hey, start that ministry. But Lord, did I not tell you to start that ministry? you got to understand the very moment that we think it's about us is the moment we fail. I had to learn very quick and young in the ministry that when Jamie and I started, when we went to a church here in Darlington that was known as GCM, we started off in that morning, the first morning we had 23, and we rapidly grew the next week. The problem was in the wrong direction. We went from 23, I think, to 15. And I tell Jamie and anybody else and tell y'all all now, the 23 were the ones that showed up because they heard they were getting a new preacher. The 15 that showed up is the only ones that stayed because they liked the new preacher. <laughs> but it was then that God challenged me about the idea of pruning and told me not to be discouraged Whenever I saw pruning in ministry, but hear me why. Because if I can't take credit for the pruning, I can't take credit for the growth. And so what you have to realize is sometimes, sometimes it will look like a decrease. Sometimes it will look like a cutting away. Sometimes it will look like things are falling apart, but the reality of it is, is it's really falling into place. Because in Christ, you have everything you need, not just to fight, but to win. The truth of it is, is you are strong in the Lord. Say that with me. I am strong in the Lord. That confession says I'm weak in my flesh. Here's the reality of it. You aren't called to walk according to the flesh. You're called to walk according to the Spirit. What spirit? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. I can be weak. I can be unsure. I can be afraid. But when I am in Christ, then I am bold. Not by my strength, but by his strength. In my strength, I am weak. Paul said that in my weakness, 
He's made strong. You're strong in the Lord. You're mighty in his power. But understand something. The weapons that you fight with, the Bible says, are not carnal. In other words, you don't get to fight with a sword. You don't get to fight with a 30-06. You don't get to fight with an AR-15. You don't get to fight with the weapons of this world. The Bible says, for the weapons that we fight with are not carnal, but they are mighty in God through the pulling down of strongholds. Listen to me. How do you fight? You fight through the position of prayer. How do you fight? You put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. You grab the shield of faith. You wield the sword of truth, which is the word of God. When the enemy came to fight Jesus in his 40 days of wilderness, do you know what Jesus fought back with? He fought back with the word. The devil comes to him and says, well, if you be the son of God, turn this rock into into a loaf of bread. Jesus said, for it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. He said, but if you be the son of God, then, then it's said that he has given his angels charge, that you, he's given you charge over his angels. Throw yourself down off of this cliff and they'll rescue you. And Jesus says, for it is written that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Every attack of the devil, Jesus came back fighting with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Why do men warriors lose the battle is because they've lost their word he says quit and you're like okay because you forgot that he said I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength he says hey just give up hey just give in you're no good anyways you come into agreement with that word rather than his word And his word says no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, it shall be condemned. See, the difference is, is what you're carrying and what's carrying you is the word. Gideon shows up to battle with 32,000 men. 32,000. And here's the problem. He's still worried he doesn't have what it takes. He's still got a coward to kill. Judges 7 and 2 says, And then the Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, Israel will boast to me that they have saved themselves by their own strength. Listen to me. God has given you what you need in Christ. Gideon gets 32,000 people recruited to go with him to war. Here's the problem. God says, if you do it in your strength, then you'll take credit for your strength, and I won't get the glory. Hear me. Some of you are fighting battles, and you're fighting battles alone. I use big quotations because that's the deception of the enemy. You think you're fighting those battles alone, but what you need is an eye-opening understanding that it may look like you're surrounded, but you're surrounded by him, that he's there with you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And the mere fact that you feel alone is God's divine appointment to show up to the battle and fight the fight for you so that you don't have to, so that he gets the credit, so that he gets the glory, so you don't get get to walk around 
and talk about how you and six people uh, put the devil in, in, in the chaos. What you get to say is, man, all I did is stood back and prayed and Jesus went to war for me. He fixed my family. He fixed my marriage. He fixed my finances. He fixed it. I didn't even have to go to my boss. My boss came to me and gave me the raise. Yet often, we still hesitate, we still coward, we're still afraid, we're still full of fear. So what happens? He tells all the warriors, hey, if you're afraid, go home. (laughs) 22,000 leave. Gideon went from leading 32,000 into battle to 10,000. 22,000 go home. Why? Because they're afraid. Can I help some of you real quick? Some people went home because they weren't fit for the battle anyways. I'll never forget one line that I learned in Revival with Kevin Mullins about the story about broke soldiers. A powerful concept that he tells about his son Brandon on the battlefield when he arrives in Afghanistan. Brandon gets out War's breaking out. He's there fighting, 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 fighting. And all of a sudden, shots start getting fired at his troop. And there's a couple guys, they literally throw their helmets, run, dive in a hole, and sit there and cry in the bottom of this foxhole. And Brandon's out there shooting a 50 cal machine gun, mowing enemies down. And then it's there that after the battle ceases, Brandon walks up to his sergeant and says, Sarge, what happens? And he looks at him and says, Son, they're broke soldiers. The helicopter's coming to get them. They're going back home. He said, what do you mean broke soldiers? They had the uniform. They had the gun. But the problem is, is inside of them, something was broken. When they got to the face with warfare, they threw down their guns. They threw off their uniform. They ran into a foxhole. They ran and cried because they were broke. They weren't fit for battle. Listen to me. The reason why some of you feel like you're fighting battles alone is because you tried to come into unity and together with people that weren't fit to war with you. So he's got 10,000. Okay, we can go to war now. God says, still too many. This is what I want you to do, Gideon. Take them down to the creek. Let them drink from water. And this is what you're going to do. The ones that cup the water and drink it, and the ones that um, put their tongue down to the water and lap it, it's going to be the difference of who stays and who goes home. Here's the problem. 9,700 do it the wrong way. Gideon is left alone with 300 men. From 32,000 all the way down to 300 men. But let me tell you what. There ain't a coward in the bunch. There's not a coward in the bunch. Not saying that there's not fear. Not saying that there's not an uneasiness, but there's not a coward in the bunch. And what you'll find out is when the battle begins to rage, each and every one of them stands their position. Can I tell you, as a warrior, the third thing that you need to realize, sometimes with God, the way forward starts by going backwards. If you're really called to move forward with God, sometimes it's going to look like you have to step back. 
Many times it's a setback that becomes a set up. See, and what we find with Gideon is literally these 300 men that are left is God's divine setup to get the glory for what's about to happen. Sometimes God will strip us all the way down to nothing to make sure that all we have to fight with is him. That way, when the battle is over, only he can get the glory for it. Let me tell you another concept, and then I'm coming to a close in just a moment. Sometimes, for a warrior to win the war, you have to be willing to lose battles. Hear me. Too many times, what we do is we count a lost battle as a lost war. I want to remind you that lost battles never determined who necessarily lost the war. The ones who lost the war were the ones that quit when they lost the battle. A war is a series of constant battles. Ephesians 6 tells us, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness in high places. Here's what you need to understand. The warfare that you're facing, the reality of it is, is that when you're at the position you're at, God is the only one, is the only one who can win this war because God is spirit. You're not called to fight spirit with flesh. You're called to fight spirit with spirit, the Holy Spirit alive inside of you. But don't allow lost battles to cause you to quit the war. I'm going to close with this. Gideon needs a confirmation from God. He gets it, and he goes out to war. Here's the crazy thing. This is what God tells Gideon. He says, get jars and get horns. Go out right in the middle of the battle. You're, you're going to be surrounded by the Midianites, but when you get out there, get out there, throw down your jars and blow your horns. Okay. Throw down your jars and blow your horns. They've got arrows. They've got swords. They're surrounded. But God says, throw down your jars and blow your horns. Judges 7, 21 gives the result of Gideon's war. And while each man held his position, around the camp, all the Midianites crying out as they fled. The Midianites took off running and crying. They rushed out, it says, in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. Why? They just threw their jars and blew their horns. They didn't run because of what they had. They ran because these 300 men stood their ground. Stand with me all over this house. Can you imagine being an army of thousands and yet there's 300 that show up? There's got to be a brave heart moment. There's got to be a moment where you're looking at them, you're looking at what you got. You're looking at them, you're looking at what they got. You're looking at them. You're looking at what you got. 
You're looking around. You're saying, there, there's thousands of us, but there's only 300 of them. There's got to be something in you that, that begins to put fear into the enemy. And, and then only on top of that, they look like a bunch of crazy men because they bring out jars and they smash jars and blow horns. Why? Because broken praise wins battles. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to read your Bibles just a little bit more. There's a story in the Gospels about a woman by the name of Mary who breaks a jar. And the Bible says that that jar was a very expensive jar of alabaster flask full of sparknard oil and the aroma fills the house. And she falls at the feet of Jesus and she's weeping and she's worshiping and she's washing his feet with her tears and with her hair and with the oil. And the horn was a horn. It was a shout. It was a shofar. It was a call to worship, but it was also a call to war. And when they shouted through the horn with broken boxes of praise on the ground, the Bible says that the enemy went running. Another story very similar to this is a story of a man by the name of Jehoshaphat. He goes out to battle. And the Bible says that the enemies, the Amorites, the Hittites, they're all surrounded all the way around him. It looks like utter defeat. But he, in a moment of fasting and prayer, throws himself to the ground and prays. And God says to him, he says, he says Jehoshaphat, send out Judah first. Send out the praisers and worshipers first. And the Bible says that when they went out, that when they went out, that all the enemy all of a sudden was thrown into confusion and they began to fight one another. And the Bible says that when they walked in for three days, there wasn't an enemy to fight, but there were spoils to pick up. Why? Because broken praise wins battles. They stood their ground. They didn't coward. When the fight got tough, they didn't back up. When it could have been easy to walk away, they stood their ground. They didn't quit. They didn't stop. They didn't give up. Just because of one lost battle, they didn't just walk away. They were committed. They stood their ground. Ephesians 6 and 13 says, Therefore put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, catch that. So when the day of evil comes, Ephesians 6 and 13, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. When the day of evil comes, 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 evil will come, trials will come, fights will come, but the mandate on your life is to stand. The mandate on your life is not to quit when it gets hard. The mandate on your life is not to pack up and put it in a backpack and get out. Your mandate is I'm going to stand. I may fall, my knees may buckle, but I'm going to stand. I got to stand. I can't quit. Your greatest victories and your greatest fears go hand in hand. Every warrior's greatest fear is failure, and every warrior's greatest pain is regret. Don't regret. Don't walk away from something that you could have stood, stayed, and stand, and if you would have, you would have seen 
the blessing of the battle. You would have seen the victory. You would have collected the spoils. Listen to me. There's miniature battles going on all over this room right now. I understand that. There's people right now under the sound of my voice. You're battling in your marriage. You're battling in your relationships. You're battling in your job. There's some kind of battle in every one of your lives. Listen to this preacher this morning. Stand. Don't back up. Don't compromise. Don't quit. Kill the coward and say, I maybe fled last time, but this time I'm going to stick this thing out and see what it looks like when the smoke clears. Week after week, engage in the battle. Week after week, press on to the high calling of Christ Jesus. So what if you get knocked down? So what if you fall? So what if you lose a battle? Here's the difference. Get back up. Don't let the coward win. A warrior doesn't win every battle. A warrior just never stops fighting. That's how you know you're a warrior. It's not that you win every battle. It's that you never stop fighting. Every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room. Father, I thank you this morning that you haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Father, I thank you for battles that have been lost all over this room. Because God, in the losing of a battle, it identified our need for you. Every time we staggered, every time we stumbled, every time we slipped, God, it was you that we realized that we couldn't even go on without holding your hand, Father. Father, I pray right now, God, for every person under the sound of my voice, every person right here, right now in this room. Father, and I pray for the ones that are fighting battles that feel like they just want to quit. For the ones that are fighting battles where they say, I'm just going to walk away. That's it. I'm throwing in the towel. That's it. I'm done. Father, I ask that you will kill the coward in the room this morning, Father, and allow the Spirit of Christ to rise up in them, Father, that they will put on the full armor of God, that when the smoke clears, that when the day of evil comes, they will have stood and doing all that they can, they will be left standing, Father. Here's the problem. You can't be a warrior without a commander-in-chief. You need a general. His name is Jesus. And there's people under the sound of my voice, every head bowed, every eye closed. There's people under the sound of my voice, and the truth is you've been trying to fight battles. And you ain't even got marching orders. You don't even have a voice in your ear. You don't even have the one that said, matter of fact, stand still. I'll fight the battle for you. You need Jesus. You need a life surrendered to Jesus. You need to live a life fully and wholly devoted to Jesus. If that's you, under the sound of my voice, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to see where you are this morning. You'd say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not where I need to be with God. I'm fighting battles that I know I can't fight alone. Will you raise your hand so I can see you? Thank you for that hand. 